Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 67th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. Made. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. We're going to take you through Carolina's win over Boston College yesterday afternoon up in Massachusetts. Look at the box score, give our quarter of the game. You'll hear from Hubert Davis in today's episode. Give our stat of the game break down the game, and get some more general thoughts throughout today's show. But, buddy, as I mentioned, Carolina goes on the road to Boston College. A day later, COVID did postpone the game back from Saturday up until Sunday, and Carolina looked maybe the best they have looked all season long, winning 91-65. to Boston College started out on a 4 nothing lead, and it looked like it was going to be one of those games that Carolina has in Conti form where it's not pretty and they were going to struggle. But Carolina used a 16-2 a run to create a 10-point advantage. They never looked back in route to that 91-65 win. This was the first time since 2015-16 that Carolina has won their first two ACC road games by double digits. Of course, we all know that team accomplished winning an ACC regular season title, an ACC tournament title, and was a shot away from potentially winning the national championship. Furthermore, that's just the second time Carolina's won their first two ACC road games by double digits since Michael Jordan left for the NBA back in the early 1980s. So it doesn't happen very often, which kind of shows the significance of it. But as we talked about in the preview, Carolina... They appear to be the second-best team in the ACC. To put themselves in a position to legitimately win the conference, you got to take care of games on the road. They're 2-0 in the ACC, and both those wins have come on the road in rather convincing fashion. Yeah, and and, and look, I mean, we talked about it. This, this, is, this BC team is... Not good. One of the worst teams that they're going to face in the ACC. No, no, that, that was and, the worst. If yeah. there's a team worse than that in the ACC, they should be relegated to the mid-majors. Yeah, and, and look, I think part of it was definitely that they had as long of a layoff as they did. I don't think they were a good team before that. They lost to Albany. 
who is not your older brother's Albany, I guess, from back in the late 2000s, even early part of the 2010s. So I don't think they were a great team coming in. But I don't think we expected that. Yeah. And look, you can say anything you want. There are going to be plenty of people that are doubters of this Carolina team that are going to try to say, well, you know, Boston College is just that bad. Yeah, part of it is that Boston College is not that good. Part of it is that North Carolina, is that the Tar Heels are that good. Mm-hmm. And they were that good yesterday. Well, they can be that good. Right. I think... They are very clearly, right now, the second-best team in the ACC. Even if you, you you backed off that thought after Kentucky, I think right now you can feel pretty confident that this is the second-best team in the ACC because they absolutely destroyed that Boston College mm-hmm. team. They, I mean, that, that was probably the best that they looked defensively. In, in that first half, that was the best they've looked defensively in any half this season. But overall, that might be the best defensive performance that they've had all season. So, you've got to commend them. Boston College definitely struggled. They had a lot of guys that missed a lot of shots mm. by a lot. But I think part of it was that Carolina looked bought in defensively. We thought, okay, there could be some rust to knock off. Okay, yeah, there was. Remember that at one at one point, believe it or not, Carolina was down four nothing in this game, and we were sitting there thinking, "Here we go." But man, what an unbelievable response after that from these guys out there! And the guy that we pointed to that needed to play well in this game once again played extremely well and got his what seems to be. His magic point total this season in Caleb Love with 22. Yeah, that was the fifth time this year he has scored exactly 22 points. He That's did consistency, so baby. On 7 of 11 shooting, ranged in 4 of 6 three-pointers. With that, let's go ahead, take a look at the box score. It's very pretty for one side, not so pretty for the other. Carolina outshot Boston College yesterday 52% to 31%, including in the first half, Boston College shot 17% for the game. Carolina returned back to shooting the long ball like we saw them in the first month of the season, 48%. They were 11 of 23. As I said, those they were led by Caleb Love, who made four triples. R.J. Davis had two. Armando Baycott made his first career three-pointer as a Tar Heel. DeMarco Dunn added one. Kerwin Walton added one as well. And Brady Manick knocked in a couple. Boston College are just 8 of 28 from behind the three-point line. And we talked about entering the game for Carolina. You know that Boston College wants to slow the slow the game down. They're going to want to make it as a half-court game as possible. And usually, usually those types of teams, they rely heavy on the three-point shot. And the problem with Carolina's defense this year – Hasn't been guarding the three-point line. They're among the, the you know the better teams in the in, in the ACC defending the three. That continued yesterday, just allowing Boston College to go eight of twenty-eight from behind the arc. Yeah, no, that that was I mean that that was clearly their game plan was to come out and and try to take away their two bigs on the inside. Now the problem was was that they didn't do a great job on the offensive glass, but. You know, for the most part, they were wanting them to have to take tough shots, and and they did. Um, 
I mean, you saw, what, a handful of shots that were open? And, I mean, early in the game, again, I think that goes into probably part of the rust. There were a couple open shots that Boston College had, and they just simply missed. But once they got through that first, really the first four minutes of the game, once they hit that under-16 timeout, they were tremendous guarding the perimeter. And I don't... You know, that that hasn't really been the biggest issue in games to me so far this year. Now, in the games where you've been blown out, that's been a huge issue. Yeah. Because you, you've it, it seems like when teams can start driving to the lane on you consistently and you don't find a way to stop it at all, everything just collapses and that really is, is just what divulges the game into just utter chaos like we saw against Tennessee or Kentucky, but in this game, Carolina looked motivated to make sure that that did not happen to them. Now, Boston College wasn't a great three-point shooting team, but you know they, they did exactly what they had to do in this game to prevent Boston College from being able to get into an offensive rhythm at, ever, at, at any point. I mean, they had a good start to the second half offensively, but it doesn't matter. I mean, when you had that big of a lead, Carolina was still scoring offensively. That you, you feel pretty confident, and that's the type of defensive effort. See, this is the problem. This is the kid that has consistently gotten C's throughout his entire life and then studies for a test and brings home an A. Now we're going to expect this out of you every time that you're out there because we know you're capable of it. Now, look, they're not going to, you're not going to hold teams to what was it in the first half? I don't know what it, what it finished. I know very late in the first half. They were at fifteen percent. It was seventeen percent. Look, I'm not gonna the 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 totals that you allowed seventeen percent shooting in the first half, twenty points in the first half. I'm not gonna expect that every night. That's it's not gonna happen. I want that effort. If the effort's there, yep. that's and that's what I harped on leading into the leading into ACC play was I wanted that consistent effort. Carolina gave that against Boston College, and look at the result. Moving on, as we make our way through the box score, Carolina 16 of 19 from the foul line, 84%. Boston College 15 of 19 from the foul line, 79%. Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis led the way, both going 5 of 5 from the foul line. Both teams took care of the ball relatively well. Carolina 9 turnovers. Boston College 8 turnovers. Rebounding is the second set I'll bring you in on. You know, mm-hmm. you, you made the joke that it's a key to every game, but I told you leading into this game that was the only way Boston College could control the tempo was to keep Carolina off the glass, and they did it. Carolina out-rebounded them 42-35. Well, they, control, they, 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 they battled with them on the glass. They did not control the tempo of the game. Well, it was, but exactly. But that, that seven re, they had to out-rebound Carolina to control the tempo. That didn't happen. Armando they put up Beckham, a heck of a fight, though, man. But they didn't win the battle, which means you didn't control the tempo. No, you're right. But I'm saying, this. I did not think that they would put up this good of a fight on the glass. Well, you should have because I told but, you entering the game, they're one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country. Yeah, but they were the, – the, the problem isn't that they were rebounding on the defensive end. They they out-muscled Carolina for a good portion of the game on the offensive glass. Well, I think a lot of that was in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an attempt to – they took 28 threes, long shots, long rebounds, and some of them – the ball just bounced away. I didn't think Carolina – look, they gave up 12 offensive rebounds. If that's the only gripe Hubert Davis is going to have about the game, that's a reasonable one. It wasn't from a lack of effort. It wasn't from a lack of muscle. And also, 
you were without Dawson Garcia, so there were at times where Leaky Black was your four-man, yep. so you were undersized. But- Him and Justin McCoy didn't play as well, which really hurt them in, in, in this game with Garcia going out. So Carolina, the 42-35, to and I've, I've told you guys all year long, when Carolina needs to rebound the ball at a, at a high level, they've done so. And yesterday, no Garcia, no McCoy, you know, he's not a factor on the rebounding. I told you entering the game that felt like a, you know, a leaky black game. He got you six rebounds. Baycott led you with 11. Manic gave you seven off the bench as well. But it was a, it was a team effort, a community effort. And that was really what took Boston College out of the game early was Carolina was just pummeling them on the glass. They were making them. It was one shot only for Boston College. And whenever Carolina needed to get an offensive rebound, it felt like early in the game to push the lead or or keep on extending the lead, they seemed to get it. Um, and so I was really proud of that of, of that rebounding effort yesterday. Second chance points. Boston College did outwork Carolina there 13-10. to Bench points 34-22. to Carolina points in the paint 34-22 in favor of Carolina. 7-4 to and just a fast break for the Tar Heels, three blocks for Boston College, two for Carolina, six steals for Carolina, just three for Boston College. But the last stat I want to talk about, Carolina had 32 field goals, 17 of them were assisted. So over half of their field goals were assisted on yesterday. Meanwhile, Boston College just 12 assists on their 21 made baskets. The ball movement was there yesterday, mm-hmm. and it looked like a team that had that that had played more recently than it had been 11 days because the ball was moving from side to side. And that really, they they made Boston College work defensively. They made them work both ends of the court, high lows, everything. That was the best Carolina's offense may have looked all season long. Passing the ball-wise, and that's why they scored 91 points. That's why they shot 52% from the field, 48% from three. But your leading assist man was Leaky Black. And his value once again showed up yesterday. No points, no field goal attempts, no foul shot attempts, but six rebounds and a five to one assist turnover ratio in just 23 minutes. He led the way in keeping Carolina's offense functioning once Dawson Garcia left the game with that injury, moving to the four man, because now all of a sudden, You've got four ball handlers on the court. And I do think with the with the success that we saw yesterday, because we haven't seen a whole lot of that offensive lineup uh, this season, you'll see more of that moving forward because of how well Carolina looked on both ends of the court. Leaky Black has that four guy. Yeah, you should. Honestly, I don't I, I'm I'm almost shocked that you haven't seen more of that this season with what Leaky has been able to prove, especially on the glass. But yeah, no, yesterday, I mean, that was that was probably the most Leaky Black game that we've seen Leaky Black play. Uh, I mean, you, as you said, he didn't even attempt a field goal, but he did everything else that you needed him to do. And yeah, I mean, he, he and, and if I'm remembering what they would credit the turnover as, now I don't know if they, if they are crediting that as the turnover, but it was that wild play where he gets the rebound and gains possession for like a half a second, then kind of falls down and it ends up getting turned up. It was just a weird play. So even the turnover was one that you could say, okay, I mean, it's understandable. It was just a weird play and it happens. He did everything that he needed you to do. And this is the this is what we thought could happen for him. We talk so much about how Caleb Love, mainly R.J. Davis, were going to benefit from from Hubert Davis being the head coach. It feels like, and I don't know if it's just Hubert Davis being the head coach, I think it's also just sort of the pieces around him getting finally set into place 
and him becoming a senior and finally, you know, gaining a little bit more maturity, I think he's found his role and he's playing it extremely well for Carolina. This is much more that. defined than his first three years. Right, and he's and he's done that. And now I think it's opening up other aspects of his game. I mean, like you mentioned, he leads the team in assists. By the way, what what a showing from them all around. Like you said, I think the ball movement was about as as, as good as it, it gets yesterday. Um, there were ones that didn't even go down as assists. There was one early in the game. Brady Manick had that pass under the basket to Armando Baycott that Baycott unfortunately couldn't finish because he was fouled. There were a lot of passes like that. So, yeah, they, they felt confident moving the ball, and you always love to see when your assist-to-turnover ratio is nearly 2-1, to one, it was 17 assists to just nine turnovers, that's what you want to see from this team. And in, you're starting to see that more and more consistently. You would see it at times – the last couple of years, but it would be one really good game where Carolina took care of the basketball and shared the basketball, and two or three straight games of Carolina turning the ball over a lot and not sharing it. You're starting to see them consistently start to come together, and that's because of the maturity of the guards and really just the maturity of the team around them, which is starting to show the signs of a better passing team, which is encouraging. Let's now listen to what the head coach of the Tar Heels, Schubert Davis, had to say after the game, talking about his team's versatility that showed up during yesterday's win at Boston College. Dude, I think that's a great point. You know, we, we've, we've done it in practice, but not a lot. And so to be able to have extended minutes in a game and see how successful it was having Leaky at the four, having different or a smaller lineup and seeing how well we were on both ends of the floor was very encouraging to me. I think it's something that um, we've got to continue to do for the remainder of the year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, to, you know, the status of Dawson, the status of Justin in our next game against uh, Notre Dame, but it, it's nice going into that game, understanding that uh, we do have that flexibility and versatility of being able to go big and small and, and really be able to uh, be good on both ends of the floor. So I really like that, and I'm glad I'm not glad that it happened, that it forced us to do that in the game, but I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for what we got out of this difficult situation of having a couple guys injured. You'll hear from Hubert Davis a little bit later in today's episode as he updates the status of Dawson Garcia. Let's look at the stat of the game for Carolina. I think this one was very simple because I think it was the biggest disparity in the game. That was the field goal percentage. Carolina 52%, just 31% for Boston College, as we talked about, just 17% in that first half for the Eagles. 32 of 61 for Carolina, 21 of 67 for Boston College. Usually when you outshoot your opponent by 20 percentage points, Usually you're going to win by the type of margin that Carolina got, which was by 26. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back, dive in more uh, into the win over the win over Boston College, and get some more general thoughts before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. 
DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, only one per customer, restrictions do apply, see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers we've been giving you on the Four Corners and the Heel Tough blog podcast side of things from DraftKings. Get the DraftKings. Use that promo code TBPN today to get you a chance to earn free winnings as you bet on sports games. All right, getting back to Boston College, Carolina, 26-point victors over the Eagles. The first thing we got to do, though, is we got to update you on the status of Dawson Garcia, who left within the first minute of the game after taking a shot to the head. Here's what Hubert Davis had to say in his post-game press conference about the status of Dawson Garcia. I do not. I do not. Um, I knew that uh, at halftime, our uh, our trainer, uh, Doug Halverson, uh, said that he was experiencing uh, headaches and it was getting worse throughout the first half, uh, but I have not spoken to him since. And so uh, once I find out that information, I'll give it to you. But I, other than that, I don't have any more um, an update on Dawson. So look, as of right now, we don't know exactly the status of, of Dawson. Um, and look, the, the biggest takeaway from this is, first off, we hope he's healthy and hopefully he'll be able to be on the court for Carolina Wednesday night, was... We worried so much entering the season, how could Carolina survive with just three bigs? Because we've never seen them do it under Roy Williams. And their roster isn't built yet to just have three bigs with the with the amount of front court players or the amount of wing players that you usually have in this type of system. And so when he left, the first thing you worry about was foul trouble with Armando Bacon and Brady Manic. If they got into foul trouble, how would they withstand it? And you got to give Boston College credit because they did start trying to attack the ball inside and get those guys into foul trouble. But as we talked about throughout different points this season, Carolina's defended really well this year and didn't foul. That happened yesterday um, uh, uh, once again. But for Carolina, they with, they they withstood it. You saw a lot of Armando Baycott and Brady Manick on the court at the same time. Manick played 25 minutes off the bench, scored 17 points on 7-14 shooting, 2-7 of seven from behind the three-point line. Baycott gave you 18 points and 11 rebounds. But as we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, you you saw that, 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 that smaller lineup with Leaky Black at year four, mm-hmm. and it really opened up Carolina's offense because now you got four guys that can handle the ball, four guys that can pass the ball, and you got some results that I think we entered the season, think we were going to see that lineup more often. You hadn't seen it yet, but now that's another arsenal in Hubert Davis's uh, bag that he can go to if he ever needs to or is forced to if, if, if Dawson can't play tomorrow night, if foul trouble really shows up again because really the only time Carolina's dealt with foul trouble was that game against Purdue. That was just with Armando Baycott. Both Garcia and Mannix stayed out of foul trouble, and Garcia carried you that night as you tried to beat Purdue. You know, So 
that was just something that once he left the game, I knew I was focused on. I knew a lot of Tar Heel fans were focused on. And Carolina got positive results with Leaky Black at that four spot because a defined role, knows what to do now, not forcing the issue offensively. And you saw some of the best offense we've seen from Carolina this season. Yeah, no, it, it's got to be seen more, I think, going forward, mm-hmm. no doubt. I think it gives you probably your your best offensive group out there on the floor, and it's going to give you a chance to potentially rest some of these guys moving forward because, yeah, it looks like right now, I mean, Hubert talked today. He said there's no official update on Garcia or Justin McCoy. Justin McCoy... I think it's unlikely. I don't remember exactly when he went into protocols. You didn't find out till uh, Sunday, right? So again, they're not going to be—they're not going to be as upfront at the college level as they are at the NBA level. Things are a lot more public, especially Carolina. They—they—they they, they do like to keep some of that stuff sort of a, a little more behind the scenes. But the thing is, we don't know how long they're going to be without him. And, you know, right now, he may still be in the required protocol. That doesn't even count the time that it would then take to potentially get him back to playing shape moving forward. So it looks like they're not going to have him. Garcia apparently didn't practice today. That's what Hubert, I guess, told the media earlier today. I've seen a couple of guys on the Carolina beat, C.L. Brown and Michael Coe, both tweeted that out earlier today. So... Looks like they're not going to have either one of those guys probably for Notre Dame, barring something shocking. So this lineup's going to get a lot of run here probably in this game, and who knows for how much longer. That that The other night, that did not look great for Dawson Garcia. So the good news is, is that the results that you've seen from it are pretty good. I, I feel like you can be pretty confident with that group out there, especially when you've got Baycott at the five. But, yeah, I, I think that right now, that's probably giving you the, the, the best chance offensively. And, and the other thing about that lineup, the the amount of success that Carolina had against Boston College was keyed by one player sort of getting back into his element, and that was Kerwin Walton. If he can continue to trend in the right direction... <laughs> He this offense, that offensive set, that offensive pairing, that that group, you're going to need to see them out there more often going forward. But it really depends on what he can do or what Anthony Harris could do. I thought Anthony Harris had a really good game against Boston College. I was thinking about this uh, just in, in my general thought life that I, you know, you know, what was that? What yeah. was, you know how Jim Valvano said we should spend some time in thought. Well, I was spending some time and thought today about the pod and thinking about some points I wanted to bring up. You know what Anthony Harris is? Yep. He is what we wanted Nate Britt to be. He is a guy that comes off the bench. I mean, Nate Britt scored sta- the ball a little more than Don't he interrupt did. me. Stabilizes the offense, can run your offense, and not hurt you. Because when Nate Britt came, in on, came on the court, you always wondered how many times he's going to turn the ball over, how many bad shots is he going to take, how, how much is he going to hurt you. And then defensively, that was where Nate Britton had value, was he would at least defend to make up for all of his offensive mistakes. And Harris has done both things. He can come in and run your offense, whether he's your point guard or if he's playing off the ball as a a two guard or the three guard. And then defensively, 
he changes the tone for this team. Like the second he walks in, you can feel that energy shift because all of a sudden they are more grittier. They're fighting over screens. He's going to dive on the floor and get a loose ball. And when, and when you see a guy who's torn his knee three times dive on the dive on the floor and sacrifice his body, the rest of your teammates are going to be more willing to do just that. How many times has he played this year? And yet, and and yesterday he scored two points, took two shots, made made uh and and made missed a three pointer, but he impacted the game without scoring. Carolina has a lot of different guys that can do that. Leaky Black impacts the game without scoring. Mm-hmm. Anthony Harris can impact the game without scoring. Justin McCoy at times this year has impacted the game without scoring, and so. I think that's going to be the other thing with that lineup with Leaky Black at the four. It, yes, it's dependent on Kerwin Walton. And he looked a lot more like himself. Well, he was only one at four from three. He looked more confident. He took shots that yes. we're used to seeing him take. Yes. And once he gets into a more consistent rhythm of taking those shots, those suckers are going to fall because he's mm-hmm. he's too gifted of a shooter. But I come back to the guy I talked about entering the game. We've talked how important Baycott and Love are. And they are 1A, 1B important. They need R.J. Davis to play like a like a, a a legitimate number three option scoring the ball. And yesterday he was. 17 points, made all five of his shots, including both three-pointers, uh, five of five from the foul line, and he did a lot of different ways. He got to the rim, he hit the mid-range, and, of course, he added in those three-point shots. If Carolina can get that type of scoring production from Love, Davis, and if you want to put Kerwin at the three or Harris at the three, and then you have Leakey at the four, then it opens up everything. And maybe the reason why we haven't seen that lineup is because, excuse me, we haven't seen Kerwin Walton be that confident on offense. Now that he looks yeah. more confident, you're more willing to put him on the court because you're not he's not going to be a liability, which a month ago he was. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and also, don't sleep on DeMarco Dunn. He got good run in this game. Scored six points, looked confident in his own right. I don't think he'll have a major role, but that's a guy that I'm starting to get to the point where if you want to put him out there with that smaller lineup for a few minutes here and there, I, I could I could live with that. I think that that's a guy that brings enough for you, and he's shown he, he's shown the aggressiveness defensively as well which was, I think, one of the concerns coming in. It is for most freshmen, but that's the thing is you're starting to find more and more of these guys that are becoming depth pieces. It's it's almost the reverse of what we saw with Roy Williams. Roy Williams started the season usually with 10, 11 guys depth-wise. And shrunk it as the season. Shrunk it as the season goes along. Hubert Davis seems to be building the depth up as the season goes along, and it's a different approach, but it's it's interesting, and it's working so far. You're starting yeah. to feel more confident in these guys, and it's letting you do some of these things where you can throw different lineups out there. With R.J. Davis, I thought the thing that was interesting yesterday, I mean, he's probably the guy out of that group that you, taught, that, that you saw amongst the leading scorers. I mean, he was the most quiet of the group. I mean, he had 17 points, but it felt... It it wasn't you know as flashy as Caleb Love's twenty two. It felt like Armando Baycott affected the game a little bit more, and even Brady Manick. Brady Manick hit a lot of big shots for you, but R.J. Davis gets to, uh, get you know he he gets to seventeen points in this game by getting to the free throw line and being aggressive there, 
And, yeah, I mean, for him to go 5 of 5 from the field, one of the biggest issues for him last year was efficiency. So for him to be as as efficient as he was yesterday, score the way that he did yesterday, this is what we want. We, we said it going into conference season. We need you to be more consistent. Again, you're not going to go perfect from the field going forward. We know that. But if you can get somewhere around this number, if you can get 13 to 17 a game, mm-hmm. we feel pretty confident about how successful this team can be going forward. Let's talk about Carolina's defense really quick here. I thought the effort was maybe the best effort we've seen all year because even when the game got out of hand, you could have seen Carolina relax and took their foot off the gas. And look, Boston College came out and they scored a couple of points right away in that second half, which you expect a team to come out on their home court, show some fight. But I thought Carolina competed. I thought it was a very empty gym, and so you were able to hear the communication between those guys. The pointing was there. I thought the rotations – Considering they hadn't played in 11 days, looked really good. Hubert Davis threw out a little full-court press. The only thing I wanted to see out of that was to double out of that press. But you're starting to see some different some different wrinkles. And with that small ball lineup as well, you're able to press out, press, force your defense out a little bit further on the court. And with having Armando Baycott back there without with who's not in foul trouble, you can protect the rim a lot better. When it, When it looks good, it looks really, really good for Carolina defensively. And yesterday, it was maybe the best it's looked all year. Mm-hmm. It's been in the games where they've gotten beat where it looks really bad. But, you know, and I heard Jones Angel say this on the pregame show on the Target Sports Network. They don't have to be great defensively because they can, they're scoring the ball so well. They just got to be above average to good. And they're, I think they're getting there. I think they're putting the pieces back together after that After that Kentucky where they're getting back to defending. They're taking more pride in defending. And once that becomes a thing, and Hubert Davis said he challenged his team to not have to tell them about their energy, their effort, and their toughness for 30 days because if you do it for a month, it becomes a habit. I think they're, I think they're taking strides and making more better habits become a better defensive team. And look, I know, it's not a good, I know it wasn't against a good offensive team, but that's, that's where you make – those habits work because in years past, Carolina, I don't know if they lose that game yesterday, but they don't blow that team out. That yeah. game is close into the under eight-minute timeout in the second half, maybe the under four-minute time in that second half. They were able to, once they took control of the game on both ends of the court, keep up that level of intensity, and while they didn't play 40 minutes, that was the closest to 40 minutes we've seen them play all, all year on both ends of the court. Oh, no doubt. I mean, anybody that's been asking for that, that's the game that you're probably going to turn back to right now. And, yeah, I feel pretty confident that that's, that's a group that, you know, you, you, you think can, can do that, can replicate that a few more times going forward against some of these ACC opponents that, um, you know, are good but but not great. We've talked about that. The, the ACC is down this year. But, yeah, that, that was the biggest thing that we said is, look, that performance against Kentucky, you have to be able to throw that away and say, look, we're going to learn from it, but we know that was an off night. And they've done that. They're, they're two games since. They've, they've looked like a much better defensive team. I mean, App State was one of their better defensive performances. And this one, especially that first half, like I said earlier, that was their best defensive half of the year. You, you take the shooting numbers for what they are. If you, if you just took away the shooting numbers and they didn't show that to you and you just watch effort, you would say that was easily their best half of the year. So... This team knows that if they can 
buy-in defensively, and if they can be an above-average defense, this has a chance to be an elite team because the scoring, as you said, it's not going anywhere. Not many te- I mean, you you saw and and Kentucky. I think they kind of they kind of did it to themselves because they started seeing that the game was snowballing and started taking bad shot after bad shot. But outside of that game, I think that this offense continues to show every game this season. Maybe maybe the Tennessee game too. But I think they continue to show that they are going to be one of the best offensive teams, not only in the ACC, but in the entire country. So it's all about what can can you become that average to above average defensive team that gets you into a spot where we feel like you you can win a lot of games. Last thing I want to talk about from yesterday's win, you mentioned it a few moments ago. You finally got to see some extended minutes from the freshman, DeMarco Dunn, 10 minutes, scored six points, was two of four from the field, including knocking in a three-pointer. And Dontress Styles, nine minutes, four points, two of five from the field, did miss both of his free throws that he took. Um, that's probably the only downside from, the, from, from him. But you're starting to see them work themselves onto the court. And they've both mentioned in the media that they're not frustrated with their playing time. It's part of the process, and they know that they're building towards the future and that they're going to benefit from what they're going through this year as freshmen. But I do think in regards to Dunn, there is a there is a spot in the rotation for him. And I don't think it's just d- driven by Justin McCoy's absence yesterday because he's the one freshman that you've seen the most of. Even though if it's, it's if, even if it's just four to six minutes, he's the guy that you can bring in on the court. He can provide some energy on both ends. Um, he's really active, but he, he took some shots yesterday that you were like, okay, there's that offensive talent we heard about coming in. Same thing with Styles is these kids are not afraid when they enter the game to go in and try to make plays. They've got that aggressive nature that I think once the offense is built around them, they're really going to thrive and be really successful at. And so I think it will be interesting to see, you know, as they as they go to Notre Dame, if, if they're without McCoy again, or just throughout the season, are their minutes dependent on blowouts, or how much trust have they really earned from Hubert Davis and the staff to put on the court in the first half, even in the second half, if it's a tightly contested contested ball game. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're one hundred percent right about that. Say that um, again. I can never get tired of you saying that I'm right because usually I am right, but no one wants to admit that I'm right. And as the basketball you, you just, aficionado, uh, I am right. Here we go. I, I shouldn't have even said that because the ego just continues to grow, just like the potential of these two young players right there. How about that? That was a good segue. How about that? But uh, I I think that you're at the point with Dunn where he's not done. You need playing. to see more of him. That, that was. He's not done growing yeah, into his see, role. Yeah, see, the basketball aficionado gets taken away out of that. No, it doesn't. No. That, that see, is Once you that get is labeled aficionado. Well, I'll tell you what then. You're definitely not comedy aficionado. Okay. Not even close. But, I, I mean, he's he's starting to sh- Every opportunity that he gets, you, you're you seeing growth with him more and more. And like you said, the thing about it is, is you're seeing the effort from him consistently. This isn't a guy that you're coming out and there's some nights where you're just not seeing him at all on the court. The dude's getting the ball and he's 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 doing things with it. And on the defensive end, he's bringing the defensive effort that you need. And and right now, look, you you 
want that out there as often as possible. I'm not saying that there are, you know, especially yesterday, that there are guys that aren't bringing that effort defensively, but you're going to have those lapses. And we've kind of been looking for that guy off the bench that can be another energy guy because, look, you've got you've got Brady Manick. He's been doing that all season long. He's grown into that role, but you're looking for that other guy. Anthony Harris, I think, has become that guy. And it almost feels like, to a certain extent, DeMarco Dunn is trying to sort of watch what Harris is doing off the bench and sort of fill into that role as well. Now, the good news is is it looks like he's a a little more capable offensively Mm -hmm. right now than Harris. But again, with Harris, it goes back to the knee injury and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But... I think as the season goes along, you're going to see a bigger role for him for sure. Styles, I'm not as sure on because this is easily the most significant time that we've seen him play. Done, we've started to see him get in there more and more. But yeah, the other, and, and the thing is, you talked about how they've said to the media that they're not frustrated with their roles. The fact that that question even has to be asked to them is kind of a joke. Th- there is a reporter that always ask Hubert Davis about their progress and stuff like that every press conference. That's that's her only question. Okay, but that's diff- uh, Okay, that is different. I get that. That makes a little bit of sense because you want to know what the progression of the freshman is. To ask if they are frustrated with their roles, <laughs> again, these are guys that came in as developmental dudes. These are not... Five star can't miss guys. They're good players. They, they're but not they, what I was before I tore the ACL. No, they, they they are definitely not that. They are definitely not the guy that is sitting on the end of the bench, filling up the water cups and handing it out to the actually good players. That's that's also what I did because I go. had a torn ACL. Sure, sure, but uh, these are guys that needed time to develop. They're getting that, and these opportunities are great. To get this in conference play is, is going to be majorly beneficial next year when they're not, they're still, they may not be starters. Right. But they're the first or two guys off the bench. And still. it could be big this year. See, this is the problem with for, for Carolina right now and, and the times that, that we're in right There's now. trying times. That's true. Is that Justin McCoy is the first guy that we know that has been in COVID protocols for Carolina. So we don't know if there's a COVID wave coming. We don't know what this group could look like at some point. So getting this experience in this game is huge because you don't know when you could need some of these guys to actually play legitimate roles going forward. So this year, more than any, getting that type of experience and doing it in this game, especially after what did we hear a lot of in at a conference play? Hubert Davis didn't play these guys enough. To yep. get that in this game, that's huge. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before I let you go, do want to get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I had you cover leading up to the Boston College game and post-Boston and post Boston College. So get over to the website, check out that recap. I'll be getting ready for Notre Dame later this week as Carolina travels to South Bend on Wednesday night as I continue to take you through the basketball season. As for the football side of things, football season is over, thank God. But a lot of news coming out of the football program with Sam Howell, Marcus McKeithen off to the NFL draft, Trey Morrison off to the transfer portal, 
We got all that news and coverage up on the website. So get all that uh, football and basketball coverage on HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, I think you know where to find us. We're on uh, the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone, but you can find us through iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it. The Four Corners Podcast is there. Give it a like. Give it a review, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.